One of the things I love about social media is that it connects you with people you may never have met otherwise. Instagram especially allows you to find endless inspiration. And as a creative type, that's so crucial when you may not have people in your circle who share your passions. In scouring the grid for like-minded business babes, somehow I came across the profile of a hat maker named Teresa Foglia. Truthfully, that title doesn't even give justice to the art that she and her partner Ty create. The most stunning custom headwear you've ever seen that is a favorite of celebrities like Cindy Crawford, Kate Hudson, Alessandra Ambrosio, and Paris Hilton. Seriously, go check out her Instagram right now. It's at Teresa Foglia. That's at T-E-R-E-S-S-A-F-O-G-L-I-A. Go ogle all of the beautiful hats as you listen to this episode. Enjoy. You're listening to Passion and Purpose Radio, and over here, we're making magic happen. Your host and Lady Gets founder, Tia Getzlaff, chats with entrepreneurial experts about their journeys, navigating social media, finding health and happiness, and how to truly live a life you love. Ready to be inspired? You're right where you need to be. Here's your host, Tia Getzlaff. Hi, Teresa. Thank you so much for joining me here on Passion and Purpose Radio. I'm so excited to have you. Hi, Tia. Thanks for having me. I uh, I get really frustrated with social media at times, but for finding creators that inspire me, it's it's amazing because I came across your profile just doing my mindless scrolling one day, and I am obsessed with your hats. I they're literally works of art. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we put a lot of lots of love into every single one of them, so it's it's really been fun. Um, bringing it all to life. Yeah. Do you think, have have you always been creative? Like looking back, do you think that this is kind of the path that you were meant to be on and it was obvious all along that you would create a brand like you have? Um, I think I've always been a creative thinker. I applied creativity, I think, more in a business and analytical sense previously. I was never the classic art student, I guess you could say. Um, I was probably more likely for to get kicked out of art class for goofing around and things like that. And, you know, I'm not a, a, a traditional artist by any means. My background's in business. Um, and I always thrived in a math class. <laughs> um, but in terms of like creativity, I think that we all apply creativity in different ways, right? Um, so did I ever think that I would have this brand with this name, with my name on it? No. <laughs> um, my background's in social media and I ran a social media company during my 20s after college. Um, and my role there was really pre-media buying. And so most of my time was spent marrying the creative front visual aspects of social media with the backend analytics, which there weren't that many of at the time. Um, but the, the hats and everything is truly just a passion project that's gone really out of control at this point. When you were doing that other stuff in the digital world, did you feel like that was equally as fi- fulfilling or have you ever been in jobs that maybe didn't fuel your passions in the way that this is now? Nothing compares to like this moment, right? Um, just kind of working with the people I love, with partners I love, especially working with my partner in life and love and with him as the basically our creative director of our company. Um, 
I wouldn't say that I, they weren't fulfilling, but I would say I would get more burnt out when you work in a service industry. I think that there's expectations, which they are, there are expectations. And so, you know, I think if you work in an agency, then you understand that mindset of you have 10 bosses. If you have 10 clients, you know, you don't have just one boss or manager you're reporting to, you're reporting to 10 different CEOs or 10 different CMOs. And so you're constantly having to perform at a level. And I think from the entrepreneurial spirit inside of me, I loved it because I loved watching growth. Um, And luckily I was in a really cool place in a cool time where I was able to work with cool brands. And if the brand didn't seem great, well, unless the retainer was really fantastic, I didn't really do it. Um, And so I don't think that I was ever not fulfilled, but I will say there was a point around 2015, 2016, where we were managing hundreds of social media accounts. And I, I burnt out, you know, I was just on my phone all the time and I would just head down. It was just like numbers, numbers, growth, spend. And that was just kind of, that was kind of robotic at some point, you know, um, this is a much more well-rounded, healthy, um, living and professional environment for me. So I definitely feel a lot more fulfilled. So how did you get it from there to hats? Like why hats and how did you learn to make them? What pushed you to pivot and create this new career? Well, of course, heartbreak, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, We've all been there. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's, it, we, you're right. We have, um, I was living in Los Angeles um, after a few years in Laguna Beach, and I was very happy with my Southern California lifestyle. I'd only been in Southern California for about six years, and out of the blue one day, I just was broken up with. Um, I guess when I look back at it, it was kind of, it was coming, but I was also just so in love with, I think, my entire life, maybe not necessarily the person. I did love him, but um, I think looking back, I have a different perspective on love now. Um, so I ended up in Europe, um, basically in the first couple of weeks after um, that happened. And I, after I finally was able to get myself out of bed and actually eat like one cup of yogurt a day or something, um, I decided that I would just, um, I would go to Europe and I would see, um, some friends that were there. Um, so I started off in Barcelona and then Island hopped through the Bayeric Islands, my best friends from Vienna. So I went and spent a lot of time with her in Vienna. Um, we were spending a lot of time in Berlin when my visas would kind of start hitting like a 90 day mark, I'd pop over to London and I would stay in London for a while. And it was during that time that I realized that I didn't want to come back to the States, um, that I kind of started phasing out my social media clients. And we were going from having 20 clients to 15 clients. And some clients while I was gone were super supportive and I had been working with them for so long and they just knew my, they knew me on a very personal level and wanted to continue to work together. And other companies were, you know, if you can't be here for our weekly, you know, company meetings, then you can't be here, you know, you you can't have you on the team. So as that was happening and my income started to change, it really started to kind of like mentally hit me to be like, okay, like, what's next? You know, do I, do I want to keep pushing for more clients? I'm clearly skilled in my, you know, what I'm doing, but do I really want to like pitch? And I've never pitched before. Everyone was gradually coming to me. I would meet someone at a dinner party or someone had a friend or my client told their best friend about me. So 
you know, when you're in Europe, um, it's a different ball game and you can't necessarily legally work over there if you don't have a work permit. So it became more challenging to pick up clients. And so I decided that I would go to school and stay for a year in Europe. Um, and I didn't want to get another business, like another master's and business degree. And I, 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 could, I can't draw. And well, I guess <laughs> I can draw. I don't draw well. Um, I'll rephrase that. I'm not going to say anything negative. Um, but like, I'm not a big artistic art student. So I was, you know, I would love to go to Central St. Martin's, but I don't have an art portfolio. And like, was I going to study fashion? Well, I didn't do anything at fashion. Like, what do I have like to compete at like that level? Um, but I loved hats and I started wearing hats when I was super young. My best friend that I grew up with, um, her mom, Patty, God bless her. Um, she was one of the sweetest women I've, women I've ever met, women that I've ever met. And she had an incredible hat collection. I used to play in her hat closet when I was growing up and she sadly passed away when we were super young. Um, and when she passed away, um, she gifted her hats to her friends. And I remember my mom coming home with this ginormous, like oversized purple hat. And I think that's really where like my hat kind of thing started. Um, if you look back at high school photos of me at like, you know, different sports events or something like our college, our high school sports were like purple and gold. And I'd have this giant purple straw hat on in the middle of February in upstate Amazing. New York. Um, and so I always had this thing with hats and I love them. And I think around that time too, you know, there were a few hat brands that really started to like step up to the plate. Like hats were definitely changing. You weren't seeing your traditional cowboy hat and you weren't seeing your typical fedora hat. You were kind of starting to see these new, young, innovative brands. And I just was totally transparent. I was spending so much money on hats and I was buying hats. And it's like, how do you make these things? You know? And so I thought, well, maybe there's a master's in millinery. So that's how it started. Um, a Google search for a master's in millinery program, it turns out that there's basically an undergrad class and it's right back at home in New York. And uh, that didn't mu very much accomplish anything So <laughs> for the whole staying in Europe situation. Uh, but there was a woman who was starting a hat making class in a few days. And the two other girls that had been signed up for it, or three other girls, there were four of us total, um, or were there three of us? Oh my God, it's four years now. Now I'm forgetting the details of my class even. Um, there were four of us and, um, you know, they had been signed up for six months. This is a, you know, a renowned milliner. And she said, yeah, I mean, you can come if you want. Like, here's the information for my friend's guest house that you can stay in. It was in this tiny, 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 tiny little village um, that you would never find. Um, and I went and... Um, this was around September, so I had now been over there since May, end of April, May. And um, it was kind of like the first time that I was like, whoa, I really feel like I'm coming back to myself. You know, you know, during those moments, whether it's like a job you have to leave or a friendship you have to leave or like you're not doing something healthy for yourself, you're just like, ugh. I finally felt like my spark was back and it was and I could slowly feel it coming back to life. Um, and I didn't think anything about it at the hat course. You know, we, she set us up for the first day to do, you know, cinema practice, which is a type of hat and then another hat. And by lunchtime on the first day of the five day course, I just went up to her at lunchtime. I said, I showed her photos and said, this is what I want to do. Like, this is what I want to learn. This is all I want to do. I know there's like all this other training involved, but this is, I just want to leave with like four hats that I can wear. And so I did. Um, 
And that's kind of how the hats happened. Um, but I wouldn't say that I really, you know, I, I think I laid the foundation for that. I was capable to do this, but I wouldn't say, you know, when I look back at my hats from even a year ago, I'm like, Oh my God, it's like any author of a book. You're like, I cannot read that journal post from five years ago. It's comical for me looking back at my hats four years ago, even my friends that have hats from that long ago. Like, can you like give that back to me and I can replace <laughs> it? We can do a new one. No, it's vintage. Like we love your original work. So it, it just kind of went from there. And then basically, um, when I left the course, um, I went to Berlin and I started making hats for my friends that I was living with in Berlin with like the very weird things that I could find in the kitchen, whether it was like a kitchen bowl or whatever. And then I just asked hat makers if I could work with them. Um, so I did that in Berlin and that's kind of where I started to learn a bit more about hat making. And then I worked with a hat maker in London for a while. And that's really where I learned a lot of skill sets then. But it didn't really, my skill set really didn't develop until I came back to New York. The opportunity arose to open an open maker studio. I was looking for studio space in downstairs of a basement in Brooklyn, an area that none of my friends knew about. And at this point, I still haven't gone back to, I still haven't gone back to LA, but it's indeed my visas had expired. And, you know, I had to kind of start to think to come back to the States if I was going to be able to still financially support myself. And, you know, I didn't want to like start to like burn through savings. So, you know, I thought it was a good call to come back to the States and pick up clients again, do some digital work with my friends that have digital agencies in the, in New York, um, And, you know, at that point, things just started to really flow, like really synergetically, like the universe really started to conspire, like with like on my side. And I started to really believe in just that, like there was a bigger plan, you know? Um, And so the whole hat making thing really, you know, I was looking for a studio space, like I was saying, in someone's basement of a co-working space. And I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And the owner of that space was there. His name is Erez. He owns Milk Studios, if you're familiar with them. Um, and he changed my life. He, he said to me, you know, what do you do? Show me a video. You can't make hats in my basement. You're one of how many female hat blockers and hat makers left in the world. Um, this needs to be on show. Like you need an open studio. I I have this idea. What are your thoughts? And I said, I think it sounds brilliant. An open kitchen environment for makers and creators that get to share their craft with people because we're so often the ones that are in the upstairs or the basements that can't show our craft because retail had become this thing that's so ritzy and glam and polished and perfect. And that's just not the reality of what goes on. You know, it's messy and it's dirty and it's, it, there's stuff involved and there's scraps and there's, you know, it's workshop space, you know? And so they wanted to put the workshop space on, you know, on, on, you know, up first rather than behind. Um, and so our, our, our team developed and built out a studio space in Industry City, Brooklyn. Um, there's now 10 maker spaces above our space um, in Industry City, Sunset Park, Brooklyn. It's absolutely incredible. Um, so grateful for the Industry City team for just like supporting makers. And it kind of went from there. I, I just, you know, I reached out to... Um, I reached out to basically suppliers in New York and I went and saw them and I introduced myself to all the other hat makers and really started to like build a community there. Um, 
And that's when I really learned how to make hats. So almost, you know, that was, you know, I took my class in September, 2016. And then December 17 is when we opened the studio. Mind you, I had no retail experience ever in my life. I had never sold a hat and I never made a hat from start to finish. Like I was crazy to do this, like looking back on it. And like, I remember many sleepless nights being like, what are you doing? But also like kind of knew what's the worst that's going to happen. It's only a year, um, you know, financially it's risky, but not too risky. You know, either way I need a space to work out of in New York. So like this space is beautiful. I mean, it was 800 square feet of like gorgeous workshop space. And the team at Industry City did an incredible job sourcing so many of the different furnishings and the old millinery equipment. Um, and it all just kind of came together. And it was then that the, um, you know, our support system really grew the brand from my friends developing the brand identity to my other friends helping me with advertising to just meeting hat makers. I just put some notes up in our suppliers that were said, hat makers wanted. And so, you know, I started having hat makers come to my studio with me. Um, and, you know, it was just me in the beginning every day. And then every now and then when I would get a couple orders, then I would bring in a hat maker um, who specialized in one specific thing. Um, and the t- two of the three original, original, original people that we worked with on our team are still our, on retainer with us today. That is so amazing. Well, first of all, I think it's always funny when people talk about things that happened in their childhood. And and it was almost like looking at that experience, how you had those hats from your friend's mom. It was just like this was meant for you, you know, these the universe just kind of pushing you or giving you little hints along the way. Like, hello, this is what you should be doing. Did you keep a journal during all that time? Because that was like an eat, pray, love journey. You you need to write a book. I do have a lot of journals, um, especially the summer that I was gone. Um, I wish I wrote more. I did journal a lot, um, but I listened more than I wrote. Um, I'm such a Pisces in the sense that I like need to move and dance it. And so for me to sit down and write is actually like quite hard for me. Um, but I listened so much. I remember listening to so many different books and podcasts, um, it was way more of like a take in than like diet, you know, writing it all out. I wish I wrote more, but just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Was there any books that kind of were life changing to you that you would recommend to anybody that's maybe going through a time of change like that? I mean, I think the biggest one for me for sure was um, Return to Love by Miriam Wilson. Um, Marianne Wilson. I feel like I always pronounce her name wrong. She's just such a beautiful soul. And that book is absolutely incredible. Um, Big Magic, I think is absolutely amazing. Elizabeth Gilbert. Um, Eat, Pray, Love, Actually. I remember being like on like a fairy and like crying my eyes out to Eat, Pray, Love. Um, I love it. Somebody else love, recommended Big Magic to me just recently. So obviously that's the universe telling Elizabeth me. Elizabeth Gilbert's incredible. Yeah. Oh my God, absolutely. You absolutely have to. Um, when Things Fall Apart is kind of like a, an absolute classic. Um, I like If you look at my bookshelf and you look at like self-help versus like reality awakening versus like fiction, it's like 
okay, like you've maxed out in the one department. You know, I just, I constantly love um, self-growth like books and even like community growth books. Um, The Artist Way, I think is the most important, one of the most important books for every single person to ever do. Um, It's really fun to do it in a group. Um, So if you have a couple friends you'd want to invite them with, it's really nice to be able to hold each other accountable with that book. It's amazing. Um, that, those are kind of like the 2016 kind of vibes. And then today, you know, it, it changes so much. Um, I feel like I can go through, I think last week I did, um, the five second rule with, um, Mel Robbins, who's one of our clients, Untamed, Glennon Doyle, um, the game of life and how to play it. I just recently did a, um, women's group with Susie Batiste, the owner of Poopery, um, who's one of our clients and she recommended this book. It was absolutely great. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'm adding those all to my reading list because those are the types of books that I love reading. Have you actually read The Surrender Experiment? Because I feel like you'd like that one too. No, but I'd love, I'd love to, I'm going to download it. Surrender Yeah, Experience. it's okay, super cool. good. It, yeah. Give it a download because you'll love it. Um, Okay, you make this change. You're kind of headed in a different direction career-wise. What was your support system like at this time? Did you ever feel like people were maybe judging? Like, what are you doing? You had a sure thing in this other career, and now you want to do something creative, which is really risky. Did you ever feel like people in your life maybe were not as supportive as they should have been? Short answer, no. Um, I feel really lucky, really, really lucky. Um, I think, you know, there was definitely a time where I was 10 months into the shop and my mom was still kind of sending me full-time job listings for jobs in New York city. Um, because it wasn't growing at the speed that I wanted it to be. But in the beginning it was actually quite the opposite. Um, my friends believed in what I was doing so much so that they put all of their resources into making my company a success from day one. Um, I met these girls, um, Caitlin and Willow from Scout Lab Creative, and I'm just putting them on the record here so you can include them in the notes. They're an incredible brains behind the child. For their brain child is Scout Lab, and they're a creative agency for brands. And they were just starting their agency, and I met them, and they said, we're going to create your brand. We're, we, you're going to be our first client. Like we're going to make your brand. Like, what are you talking about? I don't have a brand. They said, yes, you do. This was like maybe May. I had just gotten back from a year in Europe pre getting the studio space, anything like that. Um, we sat down and they, they were like, look, like you can make hats and this can be your thing. And like your beliefs in sustainability and your beliefs in community and your belief in, you know, brands and your experience and social, like you can really do this. And I thought they were crazy, but I said, okay, I'll do it, whatever. So we did a brand sprint and they created my entire brand for me. Um, from my messaging to my ethos, to my mission statement, my vision, my type treatments, my photography. I mean, it is my brand Bible. I don't do things in my business three years later without going back to this brand book. Obviously, there's been adjustments um, because you you move within your market and you move within what feels right with you. If we have your name on a brand, you, the authenticity is stronger than what the brand, you know, quote unquote, like, but, but your brand, you know, it's like, but it's me. 
Um, and I think that's, what's really important too. Um, from day one, like my friends were, are, I feel, and I think that's one thing that people always compliment me on is that how generous and how open I am with my friendships and my community. So I, I tend to spend my time with movers and shakers and people that are really courageous and people that are, you know, I have a ton of friends that are super introverted. And then I have a ton of friends that are entirely extroverted. Um, and I've never been one a person to have like a huge big group of friends where it's like 10 of us going everywhere. I've always had like a group here and a group here just because I think growing up somewhere, going to college somewhere, moving, traveling, different experiences and different interests. And I think with that different support system, everyone, um, you really start to push each other, you know, in your, in your mid to, you know, late twenties, you want to see people succeed. Um, and I feel super grateful that my, my chosen family, you know, like my family that, you know, are my best friends that I'm going on, you know, 30 years of friendship with to 26 years of friendships with to 14 years of friendships with to six years of friendships with no doubters, you know? And I think, that's something that takes a lot of filtering, you know, filtering through, um, throughout your year, your, you know, your friendships and your careers, whether it's a bad relationship, it can be a bad friendship too. Um, I think, you know, there were moments where I didn't want to disappoint my family, um, Mm -hmm. having the career and knowing how much they had spent into my education and investing in me as their daughter and what they had sacrificed. They, I had, my parents had me when they were super young. Um, and so they sacrificed a lot and invested a ton in, for me to have, you know, go to what school where I wanted to go and have, you know, have an education um, that they thought would be, you know, best for me. Um, and so there was a huge, that weighed heavily on me, you know, um, and I didn't like being a year into my business and having to be very openly you know, open with my mom about, and my dad about my finances and that they weren't at the level that they once were and that I was, you know, getting a little bit nervous and, you know, they invested cash into, into my store when I started. Um, and I think more than anything, like I, I'm just so lucky to have the support system. I do. I have the most loving family that you could ever imagine. And, now I think, you know, when I look back at it, like my mom was only sending me the the job post because she's like, you have so much to offer, you know, like you're, you're worth so much. Like you don't sacrifice because you have this, like, you know, this project you want to do. And she was kind of right. You know, like there was a moment in October of, you know, 10 minutes and months into business where I had to move apartments in New York. I just started dating someone and my business was just not, I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't going at the speed that I wanted it to for as much as I was working. I was like, okay, like, where's the return? And it just wasn't there. Um, and there was a moment in October, like 10 months in where I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not getting out of bed. I am depressed. Like, no, I'm going to drink myself heavily, um, to bed tonight (laughs) and not do it. Um, and shit, you know, that's when it changed. Um, we had like one of our best sales weekends ever, thanks to an amazing event that's put on by a vintage group called A Current Affair in, in Brooklyn. And I think all I needed was a little bit of confidence to understand that it wasn't me and my product. It's just that I was in the wrong environment. And I think that's something that's really important that people don't talk about a lot. Um, as much as I love New York and I love our studio, 
we were, my product was kind of like something that had been presented in LA and San Diego. It's something that people were used to. Like they were used to seeing custom hats. They were used to seeing these funky designs. New Yorkers are much more reserved in, in that sense. And I know that sounds crazy because like New York's like the fashion capital and everything, but you have to think of it psychology wise. Like people go to work every day. They don't want their people cracking jokes on them on like what hat they're wearing in every day. Like they're like taking subways. They are not protecting themselves from the sun. It's a totally different environment. So when all these people came to this vintage show and they were like, whoa, we're obsessed. Like, this is amazing. Like I've never seen anything in New York like this. And we had, we sold all these hats. It was like, okay, so I'm not crazy. Like I'm not crazy. Like we we're onto something, you know, we're just not in the right, necessarily the right environment, but it was home for us, you know? And, um, I think that's like, once again, like it was just that, that little bump of confidence. Um, and just in a, in a lot of ways, like approval from a product standpoint, like I loved it and I was happy every day, but could I really sustain my lifestyle and like live in New York and like be like, you know, think about my future if I was like on the same, you know, financial playing field that I was at. Um, so I think that it's, it's great that you have people that are, are questioning like, you know, your value of what you can bring into your everyday life. But also I don't think that anybody should have anyone around them that doubts them. I think that's the most important thing. Believing in yourself is so crucial. And if you can't look in yourself every day in the mirror and tell yourself how great you are (laughs) and how, like what you're going to accomplish, then, you know, there's a huge, there's going to be a huge disconnect. And I think at the end of the day, you are your own best friend and you have to talk to yourself like you would be talking to your best friend. And I'm just super grateful that the way people talk to me was, you know, as their best friend. So feeling lucky on that department. Yeah. Everything. I believe, believe that I'm keeping good people in your circle because everything's about mindset and you do start to attract the energy of those around you. So I totally, totally, it is, I, I believe it all. And I can't wait to talk to you about that because I saw your full moon ceremony the other day and I was so jealous. <laughs> Come on down, <laughs> join us for one. Yeah. Um, so what do you think is your favorite part about being a creator? Like, have you ever, do you ever feel really nervous or vulnerable putting your work out there and wonder, you know, what people are going to think about it or what they're going to think about you? Because as a creator myself, I, I feel that sometimes and it's really hard to kind of let go some sometimes and just, just let it be and know that you're not going to please everyone. How long have you been doing the podcast for? Uh, like, you're my fifth interview. I think that's what it is. I think yeah. you just got to do 50 more and you're going to think to yourself, uh-uh, this is for me. This is fun. I know what to do. It's always those first steps, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You got to start somewhere. And one thing that I've noticed, um, especially in the entrepreneurial world, is that everybody started from somewhere. So everybody's felt like me. And I really try to just remember that, you know, what I'm seeing on social media and whatnot, even though deep down, you know, just reminding yourself that that's the highlight reel, right? Like, I'm not going to be at that stage just yet. So I appreciate you saying that because I think as creative people, we're often the most hard on ourselves. I mean, the thing is that you've done the hardest part that there is to do. And I think that's always something really beautiful to remember too. Like you recorded the first podcast. 
Right. You know, the hardest part wasn't the idea of it, right? Like you knew you had it inside of you that you wanted to do it, but you were like, yeah, I'm going to record this. I'm scared out of my mind right now, but I'm going to hit play. Okay, here we go. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's so crucial. That is so, so crucial that you just recognize that. And and if I were you, like not be listening back. Like I remember like my hat designs, I'd be like, I don't want to see them. Um, but you know, to answer your question, yeah, I was like, uh, what am I doing? Like, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I'd be like, okay, like a black band on a black hat, like life-changing, let's do it. You know, like I was so safe. I didn't do anything out of the ordinary. Um, Today, I like, today I'm like, I couldn't feel more confident with releasing work. Um, I truly feel in the kindest way that we have one of the best products in design houses for millinery across everywhere. Um, I love that what we do is so customized. Um, and I just love that we get to be in an industry that's super funky, you know, like if you look at the works of Stephen Jones and Philip Tracy and like classic milliners, like names, like staple household names, like they do crazy shit and it's awesome. And I just love that. Like that is like what our industry can do, you know? Um, and I get, you can do it in shoes and clothes and bags. Um, I'm just super grateful to be able to like dive like head into a millinery world. Um, and what's cool about our product is that, you know, we do so much custom work that we don't necessarily, you know, we design our own collections and we do our own store in-store designs, of course. Um, but you know, more than half the things that you see on Instagram are custom design hats for someone's personality. So you're never going to make something that you know someone's going to pick up and you met them and you know what their expectations are that they wouldn't love, you know? So, you know, maybe I wouldn't necessarily put the same things on the hats that they would, but that's what they want. And as long as it's like within the brand-ish, then we're going to do it. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm, I get nervous, you know, I get more nervous about other things than product, you know, you know, I get more nervous that we, you know, for something, you know, I don't even know what it is. Um, that's, that's how I try to like keep the fear out of my life. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm scared of anymore. Um, but no, you know, like I think that we get more like, what would people like more? What would people get more excited about? What would inspire people more? You know, right now we're looking at building out a new space and I'm like, okay, what's going to like, you know, what's going to hit someone the biggest, like what's going to inspire them, you know? Less about like, I'm scared someone's not going to like this. Because I just feel like what Tyler and I create together is something that's so unique and so special. And it's like hard to put like an exact word on it. Um, But having a partner and a team that's around you all the time. I'm with Tyler and Savannah actually like seven days a week. Um, Even on my days off or Savannah's days off, we end up hanging out with each other anyway. And just to have a team around you where you're like, damn, that is sick. Or like, wow, like love what you did or cool. You know, we're pumping each other up all day. Um, And I think that's super important um, for confidence and just like getting your work out there. 
Amazing. Um, do you think that you have a favorite piece that you can pick out, whether it's just the design itself or something that was the most special to you that you've made so far? Um, it's always our Burning Man hats that are really cool. Um, there's a really cool story behind one of our Burning Man hats last year that um, when the hats were on display and weren't for sale in the store, it's this really cute light pink hat. It's called the Love Hat on our website. And it wasn't for sale. And it was sitting just as an art piece in the store. And a woman came in and said, I, I would like to buy that. And Savannah said, it's not for sale. I'm really sorry. And she's offered her something. And then she texted me and said, you know, she's offering you this. And I said, no. And then she said, she's offering you this. And I said, no. And then Tyler said, just, just come on, like, just, just do it. Um, and so I finally said, okay, fine. You can sell my burning man hat. I wasn't, I wasn't happy about it like at all. Um, but then the next day after she checked out and I checked the, the, the Shopify platform, it was one of my favorite designers ever. Amazing. Um, and that sparked a friendship of me reaching out to her and telling her how much I loved her and how much I loved her designs and her brand. Her name is Robin from Magnolia Pearl. And she is a literal walking angel on earth. Um, She's so focused on sustainability. She's like the designer that's never been to New York and she's got the coolest shit in the world. Um, she uses a lot of like upcycling of material. She's in Fredericksburg, which you just have to Google like Magnolia Pearl House Fredericksburg. It's one of the most inspiring tours of a house that you could ever see. It's their store, but it's also their like workshop. It's also their, you know, they have a, that you can stay there. Um, they have guests stay there. And so she's become a friend of ours and gets hats all the time. And now we sell her clothing in our store. And I think it's the beginning of just such a beautiful friendship and partnership and collaborative, um, you know, environment. And that to me is like something that's probably like one of the most special stories and hats, but there's, I love too many of them. Like every day I walk in, I'm like, wow, I freaking love you. Um, but <laughs> that they was my favorite. So, yeah, that was my favorite. Um, and that hat was also made like with friends, super buzzed on like a Saturday with like a drawing tool with like 10 people in the studio on like a Saturday at like 9 p.m. while we were like hosting an art gallery with Brian Bowen Smith at his space and Corey and Amy were there. And, you know, the hat just had so much beauty in it. Um, so, yeah, it's a very special, very special piece. If you could design a hat for, for anybody in the world, like who would your dream client be? So, I mean, our dream clients are, of course, like the powerhouses of the world just because of the amount of inspiration they give us. But we, um, we love the Obama family. <laughs> so, like, to be like the Obamas, like personal milliners would probably be like the coolest thing ever. Um, I'm still really dying to get a hat to Oprah. Um, my dream client was for sure John Mayer, um, because I've, you know, I've been going to his shows in Connecticut since I was literally nine years old. Um, and I met John's dad and delivered a couple hats to him. And so for me, and I've met him a bunch of times just through LA and New York, um, just such an incredible artist and um, guitar player. And I think, you know, he caught a bad rap for a long time, but there's no denying he's like one of the most incredible musicians of all times, um, or all time. Um, 
the list could go on though. If I gave you my list of everyone I want to design a hat for, it's pretty nuts. Um, but my friend Whitney, who runs this incredible bikini company called Julier, um, she does a lot of celebrity placement and celebrity seating. So last year we actually had the opportunity to make a lot of hats for some really cool people that, you know, she was sending me their hat sizes. I'm like, you got to be messing with me. Come on. Um, yeah. And also, um, Cindy Crawford lives in Malibu. And so making hats for her is really cool just because she's an icon, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just like... Oh. 90s supermodel. Like, just it's just an icon. Like, the energy is just unreal. Um, but yeah, I think my, my you know, I think the, the Obama, like, the entire... I think, like, fitting the whole family would be incredible. Um, and, you know, now that Meghan Markle's here, I could get a lot of shit for saying this. But, you know, Meghan's back in LA and the girl is, you know just up the road in Santa Barbara. So, <laughs> well, uh, you're manifesting it. You're putting it out into the universe. <laughs> exactly. So I believe in that. Listening to you say all that, I'm I'm just smiling because when you're saying 10 months in, you were struggling, wondering like, is this it? Or I'm not growing as fat. Like, look at what you've accomplished in like four years. It's crazy. I'm not very patient. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Um, you have shops in New York and Malibu. So do you have any advice for entrepreneurs when it comes to funding growth? And what did that look like for you to opening that shop? And I think you said you're uh, looking to expand and, and get a new space. Yeah, I mean, I think what I was most surprised about, um, you know, during when the pandemic hit was watching so many businesses, especially fashion brands, basically shut down, you know, like day one, yeah. you know, like I, they, they couldn't survive a day or a month. Um, I think one of the most important things to do when you're making a product and building a business today is look at your profitability from day one. Um, and that's something that I did from day one. So, you know, I never went into it in the hole. I always stayed cash positive. Um, I, there were days that weren't good and I had to like bring, you know, my parents in for like an outside funding for like a, a materials order or something. Um, but most people have credit cards for those things, right? Like I didn't have, you know, a lot of credit, um, and cash that I could use to kind of fund those things. Um, so my biggest advice for um, funding growth is figuring out how little you can survive on and how scrappy can you get to bootstrap your business. Um, yeah. That's what we did. Um, I had savings and I was working with clients up until May of last year. So up until May of last year, Tyler was still a designer for J. Crew and Madewell. Um, and when we were in Brooklyn up until around April... Tyler was still like on contract, building out Madewell's men's line, like biking to work. And then he would get off at four. He would come to the studio with me. I've already been in the studio doing production with our team since eight. Everyone would leave around three, four when Tyler came in. Then Tyler and I would have, and I would design hats until like eight, nine o'clock at night. We would have dinner at the studio and then we would go home. Um, we also kept everyone super specialized. Um, so we didn't bring on full-time hires. So rather than trying to find one person that did everything, we contracted out in specialties. So I didn't hire a hat maker. I hired someone who specialized in the different steps of hat making. Um, and they would come in one or two times a week. Not only does that help you from a cash flow perspective, but it also helps you 
from just a balancing of your production standpoint. So if you go straight into purchasing like a large PO of materials and you're manufacturing something overseas, like generally you're dealing with MOQs, uh, minimum order quantities, you know, probably pretty high today. They're a little bit more lenient just because of the retail environment. Um, But we just, you know, we created a team of people that were super passionate about our project and then supplemented it with our own skill set. So I probably shouldn't have been doing like a lot of the things that I was, but I also couldn't afford to bring someone on like to run operations, you know? Um, And so we really tried to just spend as little cash as possible. And then as soon as we opened, as soon as we were coming out to Malibu, Tyler had just done an art show for Freeze New York. And I had just done two huge pop-ups with um, Create and Cultivate. And again, a current affair was in Industry City for that May. So we pretty much like, we were like, we're not spending a dollar in the month of May. We wanted to use all that cash to just open the Malibu store. And when we opened the store, I mean, most people get keys and do build outs for like 60 days. We are not like that. (laughs) We are makers and we find things rather than just like put things in a room. And that's what I think makes spaces so fun and, and, you know, more inspiring too. Um, So we opened that store with very little cash on hand. Um, We had basically burned through all of our inventory. Um, in that like week prior, we had no idea how successful Create and Cultivate and our um, our weekend with a current affair was going to be, which is a good thing. Um, and then when we opened Malibu, it was bare bones, you know, like the, the the some of the stuff was in the store that we got there. Like a previous tenant had left like their wall build outs, and the the space itself was gorgeous. It didn't need any work like at all. We could have left it exactly as it was and kept white walls and done nothing, and it would still be as gorgeous as it is today. Um, but now it's like full of life. Um, so I think you know, trying to like save as much cash on hand as you can, try to be super frugal as an entrepreneur um, where you can. But then also like recognizing that, you know, you know, the, the passing of cash and um, spending money in a small business is super important to like give thanks to every dollar you're making and super important to give thanks to every dollar you're spending. And I really, really believe in this. Um, so I'm never going to be the person that's going to be like, I'm going to suffer in this super, like if, I, if I'm always going to probably do something a little bit above what I probably should, because I want that drive to do more. Um, just for example, like moving to Malibu, like we probably shouldn't have just moved to Malibu. You know, we probably could have found like another place, another area. LA is fucking gorgeous. Like you can live anywhere. Um, but I wanted to be here, you know, I wanted Mm -hmm. to be here. I wanted to be in the community. I wanted to be close to my space. I wanted to be able to go to Soho. Like I wanted to just like be here. Um, and while it was, you know, especially a year and a half ago coming here, way above our means and what we should have done. I remember my mom being like, oh my God, what are you doing? What are you signing? Where are you moving? And I was like, it's going to be fine. And it is. Now we look back and we're like, thank God, you know, because I think it's important that you're not scared of what your vision can be. You're more like, I got this. Like, I'm going to work two extra days this week. Um, and I understand that's like a huge luxury and a huge privilege. Um, you know, I just think that... Um, as a small business owner, like you have, 
you know, you have that option to like be on the phone calling five extra clients that day. If you know that like you have to like put in that type of cash flow each month. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there's so many different ways that you can fund growth, whether, you know, if you need cash flow, you know, there's a great option for small business, like loans right now, especially. Um, but we just try to do, we just try to grow liquidity. Um, whether that's through artwork with Tyler or like cranking out 30 new designs, um, whatever it is that just keep cash flow alive is, is everything. And just, I look at some business, we also do small angel investing. And so I look at a lot of business plans, um, and you know, businesses that are one or two years into business that are already in the negative and like just going on. I'm just like, uh, I don't know. This isn't how I would devise my business plan. But sometimes, you know, brands have to do that. They spend so much on marketing or so much on influencers, so much on um, different areas of business growth. Um, we just haven't done that. We've just bootstrapped and tried to use community. We've always been a community first business. Um, I would always say we're community and sustainability first. That's always where I want to be. I want to be an advocate for sustainability and an advocate for entrepreneurialism over being a hat maker and a hat brand every day, all day. It's such an important part of our ethos. Um, and just spending time and having those, um, having amazing mentors around you, um, that believe in your brand really also in a weird way really helps cash flow because you're not spending money on things that one don't work or two, you're looking for someone to give you the answer on things that usually if you can go within your network or their extended network, people will help you find the answers and try to hold on to that cash as much as you can. You have such an amazing story. I, I really do think you need to write a book and I will, <laughs> I I will read it. I wouldn't know where to start. I wouldn't know where to start. Do you think uh, everything that you were just saying, I totally believe in manifesting and just some, if you want something, you kind of just have to go towards it and put it out into the universe and following you on social media. I, I love the spirituality that you show. So can you talk a little bit about how that exists in your life and how you think that has helped you personally and in business? Um, is there anything that you do for morning routine or meditations, goal setting, manifesting abundance? What do you think has helped you to get where you are today? I think I should start by saying I'm the most anti-routine and traditionalist in the world. <laughs> I think it's because I grew up in a family where like my mom and dad were so routine and I went to a Catholic all-girls school. And so like everything was like traditions were ingrained in me. And then I was like the Pisces, like wild child. I was like, ah, no, let me just dream. Um, and I truly feel that way. You know, like I think that the thought of a routine actually scares me a bit. Um, I, I have different routines. Um, I, every day is super different owning a retail store, especially, or I think being a business owner in any capacity, um, especially when I, I have boundaries, but I don't have hard boundaries. I'm also like such a, like, I'm just such a, if someone needs something, like I'm just accessible, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and so, my mornings, um, Tyler and I have really been trying to meditate 20 minutes a day and that's made a huge difference. Um, just on, um, just for like ADD purposes, like I have a really hard time focusing throughout the day. And I feel like when I start my day with a man, with a, like a manifestation meditation or a focus meditation, 
just really taking that time to just like set the intention for the day. Or if I don't meditate in the morning, knowing that I'm going to set that intention later on and just taking like five seconds to breathe. Um, it really helps me to get out of bed and to like jump on my ab roller or just like do something. So like mentally, like even if my body is not like changing, I don't care. But like, health like mental health wise I'm like you did it you know like you 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 did it like you you did Melissa health Melissa Wood health for 15 minutes who cares you got distracted you might have been on your phone a little bit while you're doing it but you still did it you know I mean I think that's such a big deal of like kind of like self-praise in the morning of being like okay like you're on you're on it you know you're starting your day like you can do this um so meditation is important. Um, morning routines, like I said, again, like I'm all over the place. Like I forgot that I had a call with Google this morning. It lasted for two and a half hours. And so, well, my morning was not exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, goal setting. Yeah. I mean, th- this is a, I, th- I think this is a big one for us. Um, we have poster boards all over <laughs> And I just like take the poster boards out and I like put like a million ideas on post-it notes and like there's just post-it notes everywhere. Um, manifesting, manifesting is massive. I mean, there's the, you know, there's the active manifesting and then like the action manifesting. So there's, you know, thinking about it and dreaming about it and like getting loose with friends at night and like having super creative ideas. And then it's the next day of like, what are you actually going to do? You know, did you write them down? Or are you acting on them? Um, And I just, I put so much out there to the universe too. Like a lot of people, you know, are always, there is that quote that, you know, like don't say it, like act it or whatever. Um, But, you know, I have a close friends list on my Instagram and I tell them the craziest stuff, like a new deal that just came out. Like, and it's literally like from an email, like it's an intro email from a brand, but I'm like, this is happening. Like we're making a bike or, you know, whatever, whatever the, whatever the situation is, um, is super important for me to just like put it out there to the universe. Um, and just like not acting in fear. Um, we have a lot going on right now, um, from everything from, you know, our, our Brooklyn apartment, we have to find someone new to like rent our Brooklyn, our home in Brooklyn. And like, you know, we are looking at opening new spaces in Southern California and, you know, we're, you know, we're in Malibu and there's just like a lot of, um, there's also just like the, where to put my energy and time. Like I love my hats, but like, I'm so focused on social activism right now. Like how am I supposed to work when I need to be like following the innocence project and finding organizations we can help and like watching documentaries and reading books. Like I did not work in June. Like I, I, I went to work and I did some stuff and the business did fine. But like I was, we started a nonprofit during COVID as well. Um, and pretty much like genuinely like mid-March through the end of June, the business was growing, but like my brain was just not there. Like my, my, my brain was there, but like my heart was not there. Um, I guess it is a part of me. It was, but I just was focused on something totally different. And I think that if you have the capacity and the space to lend what you can do to others, um, I always start my day with gratitude practice. And I think it's super important and to really focus on like where you can focus your energy throughout on the day um, and particular how to help others. Um, I think that's one of the most important things to my personal and professional success is, is that we you know, we, we focus on others first. Um, and it's not all about us. Um, but you can't help others unless you're really feel great about yourself too, you know? Um, 
and really recognize that that privilege and um, really recognize how much you can impact people in a positive way. Um, and then in terms of like the rest of my day, <laughs> we go to the shop, we make hats, um, I take appointments. Um, we usually um, try to wrap up around sunset time. I love sunset. Um, so we're either usually down at Soho House um, for a cocktail or we're at a friend's house for you know an evening gathering or we're just at home watching sunset, making dinner. We started a little garden here, so we do that a lot. Um, I'm really poor at you know taking time to read, but the last couple of weeks I've been really just diving into books. Um, I think it's because I was scrolling too much on social media. I had to get off it a little bit, um, and not in a bad way. I'm just so inspired all the time yeah. <laughs> and discovering so much cool stuff. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much um, that's pretty much it. But yeah, I think, and also just not being hard on yourself. Like I genuinely had a huge to do list yesterday. And I went on it. It was like Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Everything from yesterday went to today, and I'm gonna put money on it that everything from today is gonna get pushed to basically Tuesday. And that's right. okay, you know, like that's fine. You know, it's like you're doing the best you can. Um, but I think that, you know, and sleep is crucial too. I'm really working on my sleep. I don't even want to talk about it, but I'm really working on my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you have such a good mindset when it comes to being forgiving to yourself, because when I can't check things off on my to-do list, or if I was doing a workout and on my phone half the time, I would just like almost let that ruin my whole day. Like, well, you didn't get that done again. And look at this. You didn't do it. I'm such a perfectionist in that way. So props to you for being able to just be human and Aww. get done what you can. Cause I don't think that that's a skill everybody has. Got to work on it. Like everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. What is next for you and for Teresa Foglia, the brand? I saw on Instagram, I don't know if you can tell, but you were like kind of teasing something big happening. So is there something that you can tell us about the near future or do you have the urge to create anything outside of hats? Like what is next? Yeah, we're working on a lot of fun stuff right now. Um, so of course, you know, Tyler, my partner in life and biz, um, he's a fine artist um, and his background's in art and incredible, um, just an incredible designer um, in all avenues of life, honestly. Um, so, you know, we've been really playing around with um, tapestries and ceramics and we want to also, you know, branch into other categories of hats from sun hats to bucket hats. Um, so that's kind of like what some of the projects we're working on right now. Um, also making some gorgeous new packaging and gorgeous like travel hat boxes and just like, you know, things that we wouldn't have ever had the time to think about if we didn't have the time to just be home and be still. Um, you know, I think one of the most important things as entrepreneurs is having time to focus. And when you're in a retail store and accessible to people all the time, it's really hard to find that time. So Ty and I spent a lot of time together. Um, and, you know, I think community and spaces is something that's really big for us too. Um, so we are looking to grow in the Southern California area to start for now. Um, 
but you know, b- dreaming like bigger than that. Like we would love to have a space that, you know, people can come and stay at overnight and like really like, you know, dream of like this hat hotel situation. I think that's definitely further down the line, just especially with the current times of what's happening. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, we, we love custom hats and we love what we do. Um, but also we do it all day, every day, um, for meant for, you know, me, almost three years and tie for sure, like two years, um, that I don't think it's just like what we want to do all day, every day, you know, like we love it and it's amazing to do a few a day. Um, but we got really crazy here for a little bit. Um, and we were going in and just the list of amount of hats that we were having to, you know, design and create and conceptualize. It's crazy. Like most designers have like 15 styles of collection and they're like, okay, like go have it manufactured and like produce it. Um, and I have so much respect for them. There's so much involved in that. It's really hard. I could not do that. Um, but you know, we also need to be able to sit back a little too, you know, and to, to have some products that we're not physically handmaking every single one of them anymore too, which is why I think I'm super excited about our sun hats, super excited about our bucket hats. They're made out of a hundred percent recycled materials, gorgeous family mill, um, in Guatemala, um, working with a lot of artisanal partners in Central and South America. Um, t- we're doing a ton of work with um, the artisans in Oaxaca and Mexico. Um, so I think being able to, you know, use our platform and use, you know, it, introduce these small artisanal, especially these indigenous communities to our audience and knowing that they want to support people that have this skill set, that's such a, you know, the craft industry is just, I think it's doing so much better now, you know, like post pandemic, people are being way more conscious about the things they're consuming. Um, so we just want to be a place for that and to curate that and, you know, put our little like twist on it. Um, and yeah, we do, we, we love Malibu. Like we're not leaving Malibu anytime soon. This is our home. We're staying. Um, we are like, we love it here. Um, Brooklyn is always going to be our first child. It's home to me. It's like I cry every time I go in that space. Um, but a big thing about the hat industry is that it's something, especially with our product and because of the art aspect of it, people need to touch it and people need to experience it. People need to come in and like smell it and like feel it and look at it. And kind of it's it's more than just like buying a hat online, you know? So for us, like, we're just like, every time we see an empty space, especially when we were out in like Montauk last, last month, we were like, Oh my God, like we want a store here. Like we want a store here. So, you know, being patient and like understanding that like we can't do it all at once, but yeah, there's, um, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun stuff happening for sure. I, I love it. I can't wait to follow along. I think you've got some amazing goals in store, not only for your business, but just um, your community when you're talking about activism and stuff, the world definitely needs it right now. So I can't wait to follow along on that. Oh, thank you. I'm super excited too. Where can everyone find you online? You can find me online pretty much everywhere at teresafoglia.com or at teresafoglia, um, T-E-R-E-S-S-A-F-O-G-L-I-A. Amazing. Um, Okay, I want to end with just some rapid fire questions. 
I think I know the answer to this one already, but New York or Malibu? I can't answer that. New York for <laughs> New York for the energy and Malibu for the for you know the sunshine. They both fill me with so much love. I could never I could never pick between the two. I am what that's the hardest part about um being in LA right now is this whole quarantine situation and go back to New York. Because the hardest thing is like being bi coastal was the dream. So um New York and LA. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite meal to make at home? Um, Curry. Oh, I love curry. Good one. Um, I love that you put crystals on some of your hats. Do you have a favorite crystal and why? Moonstones. I think moonstone just because it's, you know, the third eye and it's like total psychic abilities. And I feel like they go so well with the hats. I just feel like it's kind of, um, and we also do so many hats for women. And I think that it's definitely like this energy, like this feminine energy with it. What is your favorite song? Anything draw mayor. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, what is something that you are proud of? Mm, my team and my family and friends. Amazing. Well, thank you again for taking the time to do this with me. Like I said, I know how busy entrepreneurial life can be and you're pulled in a million different directions. So I am so grateful for your time and I can't wait to put this out for everyone to listen to. Tia, you are going to thrive. That was amazing. And I'm so excited for your venture. And just please let us know how we can support in any kind of way. Okay. And come visit us soon. You are so sweet. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Passion and Purpose Radio. Find a recap of the show plus extra info and links at ladygets.com. Loved the episode? Share it with a friend. Let's all grow together. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back again real soon. And until then, keep living with passion and purpose.